All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I think I just got through a three-day period of mild mania. I'm admitting it. I'm fessing up. I have mild mania sometimes. Maybe it's just allergies. Maybe it's too much coffee. Maybe it's because I'm out of my fucking mind most of the time with bullshit because that's what relaxes me. Too much information right out of the gate. I apologize. Welcome to the show. Everyone take a breath. Oh my God. Okay. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better. He said, convincing himself and no one else. Today on the show, the amazing Jonathan. I'm sure many of you remember him from your childhood. The crazy over the top magic guy. I have a very specific memory of Jonathan and Jonathan's dealing with some pretty heavy shit right now. And, uh, He'll get into that when we talk. But I have a very specific memory of Jonathan. I bring it up with him a bit. But uh, early on, when I was just starting out doing comedy, maybe it wasn't that early. Maybe it was like 90, I don't know, 92 or something. I was in Los Angeles. I had broken up with my girlfriend at the time. She was in San Francisco. And I'd somehow gotten into cahoots with this publicist who... uh, who eventually tried to ruin my life because I didn't like her. And, uh, but her name was Stacy. And I remember I was at her house. She lived with a couple of people and I got a gig. I got a TV gig. I got a spot on the A-list. I don't know if she got me that spot or not. I don't think so, but I do know I was in trouble because I wasn't expecting to do TV. So I had no jacket. So I had to borrow her roommate's jacket. It was this Navy jacket. I remember I was sort of, sort of panicked about the whole thing. And it was shooting the next day. And at that time, they were do. I don't remember who was hosting. I think Richard Lewis was hosting the A-list at that time. And for some reason, they would put the big act first and then the, the, the smaller act second. Amazing Jonathan was my, was my show. I was on with Amazing Jonathan. So he was going first. And I'm freaking out. I'm wearing borrowed clothing. I'm standing in the wings. And I'm watching Amazing Jonathan kill with this huge closer where he cuts his arm off. He cuts his arm off to close a 10-minute set, eight-minute set. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to follow that? And it was the first time I ever heard this, and I don't think I'll ever hear it again unless entertainment changes drastically. A guy came up to me, the stage manager, and said, look, we're going we're gonna to get you right out there as soon as we clean up the blood. And that was one of my early baptisms into televised comedy. I did okay. I was a little panicked. The jacket didn't fit right, but that's the breaks. So we'll talk to Amazing Jonathan momentarily. Also, Denver, Colorado. I'll be there this weekend, July 18th and 19th. Is that the date? Are those the dates? I'll be at the Comedy Works. I enjoy working at the Comedy Works. If we could get uh, enough of my fans out there to sort of keep out the profound drunkies. Denver is one of the drunkest fucking cities I've ever been in my life. I think it's the altitude. I don't know, but second shows there in that area downtown after a certain hour, it just, it's a type of blotto that uh, it's rare to see outside of Glasgow. Uh, but Denver's pretty fucking drunky. I'm going to, I'm going to let it, I'm going to attribute it to the altitude. So how am I? How am I doing? I'm okay. I've had the week off for the most part. Uh, uh, the last time I talked to you, I was on a mountaintop. 
And the week off's been going pretty good. I've been trying to get my brain back into... I'm trying to get grounded, man. I got a lot of stuff going on all the time. Don't know how to pace myself. So I took that two-day trip, and within hours of being out of the trip, on the way back, I think I lost my shit on the phone over bullshit. And I had some other... Like, my brain... I, I got a lot of work coming up. I got things to do. And th- there's some part of me, I don't know if I've really talked about this specifically before, that my brain would like to get like literally consumed, consumed with, with, with trivial little things and make them monumental as opposed to feel the stress or dread or panic of what might be coming uh, on a bigger level. Like my inability to compartmentalize things makes everything sort of percolate along at the same level. So everything is pretty much all or nothing, man. All in or, or, or not in at all. I get consumed with bullshit as a distraction. I think I put it in place where most people put a spiritual practice, perhaps. How can I make this easier to understand? Okay, for instance, so I'm driving back from the desert. Uh, on that journey back, uh, there's an outlet situation. And why wouldn't I stop at an outlet? I was very proud of my time in the desert, to be honest with you, because I don't, I travel alone to work a lot, but I'm working. This is really one of the first trips I've taken alone voluntarily and didn't get there and sit around saying like, oh, I'm an idiot. Look at, I'm alone. I'm a loser. I, I really was happy. Couldn't be happier actually to be alone. But I'm driving back and I'm like, hey, I'm still alone. I'm in my car and, uh, you know, I could use some clothes. I could always go see if what they have. So I pull over. I go to the outlets. It's early. It's a weekday. It's beautiful. There's nobody there. First store in, the Levi's store. I don't know about you, but I got a thing. I'm wired for Levi's. I never, rarely do I get things that fit at Levi's, but there's something that compels me. There's some part of me that believes deeply in that label, in Levi's. So I go in, I'm running around. I'm already in some sort of weird, hyper-hypnotized state that happens at outlet malls. Like, oh, like, some part of your brain, it's like, this is unlike stealing. But you're not. Most of the stuff is made for the outlet mall. But there was actually a real bargain at the Levi store. They had these Levi jackets, but they were sort of a, a, fine, uh, a fine corduroy. And I like a nice Levi's jacket. I've bought several that I don't wear. And I was like, holy shit, these are cool, man. I can make these work. I can make these me. So I try them on quickly. I'm like, a large is probably what I need, though I wear medium sometimes, but it's hard to tell. But I just threw the larges on. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, perfect. And then I'm on to the shirts. Boom, I'm trying that shit on. Buying shirts. Bought the two jackets. Had a lot invested in the jackets. Really wanted the jackets. Thought they were really great. So I'm driving home. Everything's fine. I'm on the phone. I'm getting back into the panic of my life. I get home and I immediately throw those jackets in the washer to get them ready to wear. And then they get out of the washer and I put them on. They're too fucking big. Both of them are too fucking big. And they were on sale at an outlet store, so they're not returnable. And the outlet store is an hour and a half away. So for two days, I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. Why didn't I just buy a goddamn clown outfit? Why can't I buy clothing for myself? And it t- I was consumed with the self-flagellation, it took everything I had for two days not to drive back there angrily and just buy two mediums out of spite against myself. And then would have had four jackets and who knows if the mediums would even even have fit. So then I'm like, well, should I just throw them away? Because I don't want them just hanging in my closet calling me an asshole. And then I decided with some guidance, Uh, you know, just relax. Not that big a deal. It isn't that big a deal. So why did my brain get hung up on it? Because that's what it wants to do. That's how it's going to ground itself. It's going to be, it's going to be consumed with, with trivial things that I'm going to make myself nuts at to avoid 
feeling deeper things or perhaps getting overwhelmed about what's coming in the future. It's my spiritual system. It's the little things. That's the system. That's the Mark Maron spiritual system. It's the little things that will consume you and bring you down. I was almost going down a bad path where I was committing to not exercising and giving up on health in general. I had this fantasy. I created a straw man in my mind. I decided, well, look, I don't want to be one of those 50-year-old dudes who, who, who are just in overly good shape. Have you seen those, those guys that are like 50 or 60 years old? And, they're, and, and I invented this guy as a comparison. Like their faces are drawn and their bodies are ripped, but they're not really ripped because their muscles are just sort of, they're almost like curtain rods holding up, you know, drapes of sagging skin. It's not, it doesn't look healthy. It looks like it, it, it was a body built by panic and vanity. I built that guy. That was the guy. That was the, the uh, overly fit old guy that I would see in my mind and I would say, that doesn't look good. That guy thinks he looks good, but he doesn't look good. He looks like all he does is run from death and lift weights and eat no fat. Is that a life to live as I eat my cake? Is that a life to live? But thank God I ran that guy off and I realized, look, dude, uh, maybe you could just you know get back into the swing of things, get healthy. So I'll see if I can hold on to that. I'm very happy that many of you like the Radio Cowboy episode of Marin on IFC. Uh, it was a thrill to work with uh, the uh, the Honorable Phil Hendry, who is a, a genius, a radio genius. It was my sort of homage and tip of the hat and uh, act of respect towards a, an industry that that gets short shrift. There's a lot of great people in radio, and radio was was you know was the heart of american entertainment for a long time and i and i i'm glad so many people saw the poetry of that episode and, and it got a lot of feedback there's a few episodes that have gotten a tremendous amount of feedback uh that one the boomer lives episode the uh mouth cancer episode um but it's interesting to see which ones resonate with people and, and obviously i'm only getting certain amount of feedback through twitter and whatever but uh but people really seem to dig that and radio people seem to dig that episode and i and i appreciate that this week's episode is a is a sort of a it's a it's a troubled uh, sexual dynamic that was based on some truth, but is seriously fictionalized. But it, it's a very compelling episode written by my friend Jerry Stahl, the Dark Prince that is Jerry Stahl, and uh, it's a it's 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 a little bit cringy, but it's uh but there's some there's some heavy uh, some heavy boy stuff in this one. Some uh, some male things and records and records and Dave Alvin song. Yeah, a lot of things going on. And then there's two more episodes coming up after this. The one I directed that was very important for me to uh, to helm because I needed it to be right. It's called uh, I think it's I think we landed on a stolen joke or maybe the joke. It is about it is about joke stealing, which is a very loaded topic, as you all know who follow the pulse of the comedy community. And then the final episode is called Desert Road Trip, which features uh, Andy Kindler, Dave Anthony, and a little bit of Eddie Pepitone, and also a surprise guest. And I'm not going to spoil that. There's no fucking way I'm going to spoil that. But uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's talk to Amazing Jonathan. Prepare yourself. There's a little weightiness to it. But this guy was a huge act, man. He was a huge act. And I had to follow him after he cut his arm off. And I'll never forget that. So let's go now to my conversation with Amazing Jonathan. 
one of my first TV sets was following you. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the A-list, they used to put the headliner on first, and then the new guy. And it was the reason I remember it is I'm waiting to go on, and some guy comes up. He's like, "We'll bring you right out after we clean up the blood." Yeah, that's why I headlined because nobody could follow me because <laughs> not because of the material, because of the mess. Right, but I had to. You'd cut your arm off. Yeah, I always used bl- stage blood. Uh, cut my arm off or, or drooling blood out of my mouth or something. You know, was that? But was it always that? I mean, was it magic first, or was it? I mean, where'd you start out? Um, I started out doing magic, but I was not really good at it. You know, I I did my high school talent shows, the last show I ever did. As a magician? Yeah, it bombed so horribly. (laughs) What'd you do? Uh, uh, Listen. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Fraser, Michigan. Um, You're uh, from Michigan? Right outside of Detroit. Oh, really? That's where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So like, like, and you're a little older than me. Yeah. Maybe. I'm 50. Yeah. I'm I'm 55, I am. I'm 50. Are you? So, like, when you were growing up in Michigan, were you into rock and roll? Yeah, yeah. Bob Seger and- You saw yeah. them when they were coming oh, up? Oh, yeah. I know Bob Seger. He used to own part of the Comedy Castle. Oh, really? Yeah. The part of the, he was, he'd come in once in a while because watch his investment. I, want, I remember him saying to me, I, I'll, I'll buy as much cocaine as you can find. That's what he said. <laughs> and I, I, he, said, he said, you're talking to the wrong guy, man. <laughs> you just lost your money. So, and I couldn't find any. Nobody had- Bad night? Yeah. Nobody had a thing. Yeah. I felt so bad, and you, nobody's ever said that to me since. You, you are one of the, uh, the the sort of like the mythology around Amazing Jonathan <laughs> uh, and cocaine is epic. Yeah, yeah, it was. I did a lot of it. I did a lot of it, and and for a long time, I wasn't I wasn't one of the guys who who quit after Robin Williams and, and no. that Belushi's party. Yeah, uh, were you I, at that party? No, but I, that's when everybody quit around that year. Right, right. Everyone go, Got thought. Oh, well, this is serious. You right, know, this, right, right, right. People are going this could down. Kill you. Yeah. No, I kept going, man. I didn't. That didn't phase me at all. I well, you eventually ended up smoking it, right? Yeah, I did. I ended that was up it. smoking it, and then you know what got me off of it? What speed? <laughs> <laughs> little crystal meth. <laughs> yeah, took man. Took the edge off. I did, couldn't get coke one night. So I had speed. Is the only thing left to do. So I, I actually smoked that too. After and yeah, that just jammed and you it for was, like days. It wasn't like 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 it is today. It was like spe- speed. It was like you don't you don't smoke it. You you snort it. But right. I, I smoked it anyway. Right. And I would write like a fiend. I'd go in my garage and I would write and get write things organized. And write. Yeah, yeah. I, it, just build all kinds of great props for my show and really, yeah. It would really. I, the whole show was written on, on that, and then it stopped. I stopped being creative on it and learned how to eat again. And it was just like. Now I was a normal guy, just with a habit. You know? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the same. Well, but but it, it took a while to get there, didn't it? I mean, so you start in Michigan. You're yeah. growing up. Wait, what kind, what's your real name? Uh, John Zealous. And, Zealous? And, and I changed it to Jonathan. Didn't drop the H because I didn't know you were supposed to drop the is, H. What is Zealous, then, Hungarian? Yeah. Good call. Yeah. yeah. So your parents, were they actually Hungarian? No, my dad was parents. My dad was Hungarian, but he was born here. His parents are from Hungary. What, did he work in the auto industry? He designed tanks. Really? Machine guns. Yeah, he designed, he was a draftsman. So he, I would get to watch the tanks uh, go to, when he went to work, there's a big test track in, the, in his, the backyard of this place. And there yeah. was a straight up incline of cement. Must have gone 60, 70 feet and the tanks would try to get to the top of that, and, that hill. And he was like a tank engineer? Yeah, he was a tank draftsman. He just drew the plans out and stuff. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah, and he did that. He hated his job and he worked for, for 30 years at this job. And yeah. finally he retired and he died a week later later man oh really yeah he never got to get one on un- uh, retirement God damn it yeah i know and he hated it he was just looking forward to it he's going to travel a little bit and relax how old was and, he uh i think he was around 60 how old were you i was uh i was 
God, I had to be about 24 because I was playing at the Jeff Valdez's club uh, comedy in, in Denver in, in Colorado Springs. Mm. I was in Colorado Springs with Ali Joe Prater, who was Ali Joe Prater. <laughs> yeah, and his gout and his cane, and where is he? <laughs> no, he was still walking at this oh, time. Yeah, yeah he, Ali Joe Prater. I saw, I saw him fall off a bar stool completely backwards, just get <laughs> tip his head back Wait, and bang down what, he went. One of the great joke thieves, Ali Joe Prater. Yeah, he was a great and, and, and yeah. proud of it. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, that, that that's when you didn't get into trouble, or did, he didn't take shit for. He, I think it was before he made a lot of money being a joke. He made he was. Well, he I think was he was a, stealing hacky jokes, but it, he would kill though. He would actually he would drink all night during the set. He would do. Drink. By the time I saw him, it, it was over. You know, oh, like really? I was well, I was a doorman at the comedy store in '87, uh, yeah. and he was already on a cane. And he, you know, Mitzi would had was putting him up at the top when she owned that little house at the top of the ramp of the parking lot of the Hyatt. There was yeah. a little house there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I lived in Crest Hill, but she had that one too, and he was up in there. When he wasn't on the road and he was already kind of ill yeah he got sick yeah he got sick pretty pretty bad but i remember watching he's the first guy i ever saw do cocaine really him and a whitney brown and me went to the jack tar hotel in san francisco and uh i watched him snort coke and put water up his nose he used to just snort cup water in his hand and snort it and i'm like what what the hell is it's a pretty doing? it's a pretty amazing day that first day you see somebody <laughs> when do was coke. your first I think I was in high school, and I think it was where I was working at a at a bagel place, and the owner was sort of a blow monkey, and uh, and I believe the first time I did it was because he turned me on to it. I was probably fourteen or fifteen. You take to it really fast. <laughs> well, if you're into it, I mean, I think some people see that shit and they're like, "What the fuck?" And other people are like, "I I need to be part of that." Yeah, for about 30 I think that years. once you decide to do it the first time, you're into it right away. But when and you were a kid, you weren't into it. Not really. No, I wasn't. I never did coke. I did other stuff. I did like mescaline and stuff sure. like that you know people so you, even never you never hear mescaline anymore no it's a it's a that's a rare one yeah, yeah. nobody makes mescaline no, no, anymore. i don't think mescaline i would take me. it anyway so you put it you put a line of coke in front of me right now and i freak out i would just like i wouldn't do it I, the smell smell of it makes me just like yeah. it brings all these I memories mean, come flooding back into, how long you've been off though oh a long time really I'm, yeah yeah Are you clean everything uh no not you know what well i'll tell you the story uh, uh, i just got diagnosed uh, about six years ago i got diagnosed with a heart condition For, is it like gen- uh, con- it's congenital or did you it's, do it it's degenerative but did well, you do well, it I, I could have very well have done it i mean no one would be shocked if i said <laughs> uh, wait a minute yeah everyone so what they said is because i I'm, i might have had a virus when i was a kid and that caused what's it called cardiomyopathy but you know i didn't tell the doctors what i was doing i mean sure. it, you can fool an x-ray with with speed i'm sure yeah uh, so you were but, on it when you got the x-ray uh yeah 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 no i wasn't on when i got the x-ray but when after i found out the results mm-hmm. from i said you know what if i'm dying you know why not you know and now i was i've been given like a, a time stamp like you got two years really I, yeah it tops maybe a year to two years because they're my right now my, my heart is is failing and and um they can't give me a transplant because i'm diabetic and they won't give it to a diabetic were you always diabetic uh for the for the last maybe 15 20 years uh-huh. type two though uh-huh you know? But never took care of it. Never yeah, took yeah. care of it, you know. Um, so what's going if on? If I did my medicine like I did my medicine, sure. And then I'd be, you know. So I'd you be, could die any minute. N- n- yeah, I could. Right now, right now, it's uh, within the last seven or eight months. I found out that, you know, if, if these drugs we're giving you don't work, you have about a year to oh two years. God, but you know what, Mark? I mean, 
Do you have a pacemaker or something? No, I have a whole thing I got to wear that's uh, it's a defibrillator that's over my heart. You have it on now? No, I took it off before I came in. Why'd you take it off now? Because it'd be so cool to die on your show. Okay, all right. <laughs> Come on. It'd be so great. <laughs> it'd, be first... it'd be better than Gallagher walking <laughs> yeah, out. <laughs> it sure would. Yep. Oh. So, no, because it's, it's a real pain in the ass to wear it. It's all over the place. I got electrodes all over the place. You have to wear a defibrillator that, what, kicks in? Yeah, this thing will, if, if, if I pass out, uh, this thing will detect that, and if uh, I have thirty seconds to shut it off, if I if I don't shut it off, it shoots this blue jelly all over me and conductive jelly and zaps me and it Keep warns yeah it you. warns people stay away from it because people will start to touch you and shake you are you all right yeah it'll stop their heart and start mine so it's oh kind of like God. the ultimate practical joke. Yeah. That be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I know. So you, you go on stage with that on. Uh, yeah, I have. I, I, I did my last show last weekend. I announced that I was retiring from, from doing shows. I did my last shows in Toledo, and uh, I'm done now. I'm finished. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to go to the Magic Castle and shoot a special. Uh, do t- six shows there and and two, in two nights and shoot a special. And that's that's not for the public though. But right. my last show for the public's over. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I'm done, man. So do you, are, are so you, you ask me if I'm partying? Fuck yeah, man! I'll get my hands on anything right now, and I'll do it because you know it, the pain. Seriously? Level, yeah, because I, the pain in my hands and my feet right now are so it's so bad. It's from so, what? It, from my heart not pumping blood to my extremities. Oh really? Yeah. So so for, it's my hands are always tingling. I always feel like like my feet. My feet. I can't walk more than twenty feet. They lock up. The last few shows I did uh, halfway through, my, I started locking up. Everything started seizing up. My hands were like like a claw, like a, you know when you get cramps. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. You see, you'll see me looking for heroin in about two months. Come on. What wouldn't you if you're dying? I don't know. I mean, it depends uh, yes, what quality of life yes, you, you want to have. Well, this is no quality of life. I mean, but you're awake. You're I'm getting alert. married too. That's the you're sad getting part. married. I'm getting married too. And, and, yeah. Just, but I'm, so we don't want to be doing heroin when you're married. No, I, I. But if I start feeling really bad pain, I start going. Fa- I've never tried it, and I would definitely you've try never it. tried heroin no have you yeah well how is it i don't i didn't boot it i just snorted uh, that's it. what i would do I yeah don't, it, it kind of made me nauseous and i fell asleep it, i didn't get the full effect i didn't lock oh, in that sounds great nauseous and sleep <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how i'm feeling now but i'm man. like you man i like to go fast i like la, la, yeah, la, 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 i like i like focused drugs i never was a drinker i never drank yeah never drank i always did drugs that make you focused and not sleep you know be awake all the time so but so you start and you, you start as a kid as a magician yeah, and, and then, what's the, the, then the talent show stopped me from doing that. The talent show that I did at my high school yeah. went so horribly wrong that the next day in school, the kids didn't tease me. They didn't tease me. Kids are cruel about that stuff. Yeah. It was so bad, they just... They, they, they didn't say a word. They, even, they avoided me, man. They just avoided all did, I contact. How did it go so bad? You couldn't find right, the coin or right. what? Listen to that. I did six tricks, and yeah. all six tricks went wrong. I mean, the girl in the sword box had a leg cramp, and she said, I have to get out. I have to get out of the Stop sword box. Stop it. I, seriously. Yeah. So she got out of the sword box halfway through the trick and knocked yeah. all the sides off, and the right. mirror, two, mirrors, two mirrors smashed. Yeah. Uh, uh, I killed my dove. I, I, you produced did not. A, I p- produced a dove and it ran, it got out of my hand and was running and I chased it and it stopped real fast and you, I couldn't stop that fast. You killed the bird. I ran right over it. I squashed oh, that, it with That's my why foot. they didn't make fun of you. Yeah. And then, and then, oh, I exposed the levitation. You could see the steel bar holding the girl up in the air the whole entire time. It was supposed to be hidden until I got right in front of it. Well, you had some pretty big tricks for a teenager. Yeah. I had illusions. I was, I was, uh, this was going to be my big, this, you know, yeah, this, yeah, this, this could get me thing. to chicks in high school. Yeah. This was going to be, 
And Ruth he, made me from an idiot. And, and you killed the, the bird. You showed yeah, the trick. The yeah. chick wouldn't stay in the box. And then the final thing was the guillotine. And I said, that can't go wrong because the blade falls. It goes, penetrates the neck and doesn't cut the head off. And that's the trick. And then they shut the lights off. Well, they shut the lights off just as the blade started to drop. So you never saw it penetrate the guy's neck. He just went blacked out. Right. <laughs> and that was it. All, all done to Elton John's funeral for a friend. And I'm dressed like a dick from Godspell with this rainbow suspenders and the heart on my forehead. Come I, on. I thought that was so cool. Like Doug my, Henning. Yeah, I had my hair permed like Doug Henning. And, <laughs> and I, I just tanked, man. And I got went to Toronto and got so shit-faced after that night. And I said, I'll never do magic again. And I never did. Never did a serious magic show after that. So how many brothers and sisters did you have? I had two sisters, two older sisters, no no brothers. Are they still around? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're around. And so now, all right, so how do you decide to get into show business after that disaster? All right, well, listen, this is funny. This is really, really funny. This is, I, I used to be able to bend spoons. I, I figured out how to bend a spoon with uh, using my mind, but it was just misdirection. I would make them look away for a second, I would bend it. And, is that but, what most hand, yeah, hand is? Yeah, but I, I could do it really, really well, and I did it for my physics teacher, who I really admired, and he said to me, is that real? Are you really doing this, or is it a trick? Yeah. And I was really unpopular in school. I was like not standing out at all yeah so I, I lied and i said yeah i can really do it thinking that that would be the end of it yeah nah and it's I, the next hour i'm sitting in class i hear on the speaker jonathan john zellis please come to the principal's house. i'm shit this yeah. has something to do with the spoon bending yeah. i know it does yeah i walk in there there's my mom and my dad who they, they call out of work there's a bunch of spoons on the desk and a local reporter from the macomb daily paper yeah and i'm like Fuck! This is not what, good. So man. the physics teacher set you up to this? Yeah, he asked me if it was real, and I lied to him and said yeah. So yeah. he called, he told, and they got a reporter to come down. They wanted me to demonstrate my powers. My mom took me aside before this. I said, "Can you really do this? Or are you just lying?" Yeah. And I looked her straight in the eye and I said, "I can really do it." This is like a snowball going right. down. I said, "I can really do it." Yeah. And so I proceeded to bend all the spoons, and they freaked out. And, and then I thought- you, you succeeded in the trick at all times. Yeah. I, I, I bent everything, and the reporter's he's chomping at the bit to do this great story about yeah. a psychic kid. Yeah. But I had to figure a way out of it, because I figured that the magicians, local magicians, would bust me on it and make me a fraud. But, make, but, but they, can't, they can't give away the trick. Why would they- well, they, would, they would say, I'm lying, that this is what he's doing, like, like magicians do. You know, magicians, they bust Yuri Geller for doing it. Yeah. They'll bust me, too. They'll, I mean- if it's in the paper, you can bet someone's going to come forward and go, that's bullshit. He's right, just right. So I had to figure a way out of it, and this is how I got out of it. Yeah. I told my mom that I did want to be a normal kid. I didn't want to be a freak in the school. I, didn't, <laughs> I just wanted to be a normal kid. I didn't want all, everyone looking at me like I was weird. And she bought it. They all bought it, and nobody did the story. And, but it leaked. This is the good part. It leaked out, and yeah. I, I didn't get that, that press, which I didn't want. But everyone thought I was this mysterious... And I, I got mad pussy. I got yeah. like mad pussy Come in my on. senior year. Yeah? I did, yeah. Oh, because you were like the wizard. Yeah, I was like yeah. the man who fell to earth. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's when you knew show business was the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Man, if, if a chick thinks that you can read her mind or anything like that, you're in. Did you try to do that with chicks? Oh, yeah. Would they go to the bathroom? I'd go in through their purse, take their license out, get their birth date, you know, their Zodiac sign. I have all the details. We could put it back real fast in their purse they come back and hey, we'd be doing lines and uh, let, let me touch your forehead for a minute <laughs> boom you're a virgo boom you were born and then she that's so it so you were man. doing lines in high school yeah well not <laughs> no. lines of speed and oh, lines yeah. of pcp pcp and i yeah 
(laughs) (laughs) PCP is a funny one, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't didn't do that one. No, don't, man. Yeah, I used to do Isn't that crazy time? Yeah, I remember trying to hang the Christmas lights up, being on PCP with my mom and dad in the living room looking at me, knowing what's wrong with them. What does it do to you? Not be able to hang Christmas tree lights. <laughs> <laughs> That's the list of things you can't do. Well, it depends on what you're doing. Sometimes it, you you, you want to just go to the hospital sometimes. But my friends would never take me to the hospital. Because he's just freaking out? Well, I would lie there and go, take me to the hospital. I'm freaking out. And they're, 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 they're fucking with me. And they're saying, Let's, they're, di- they're dividing my shit up. I, I want his bike. I want a stereo. You know, doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, tripping yeah. me out even more, you know. So, uh, yeah. So how'd you start performing? Um, I went to San Francisco. Uh, the whole t- trip was going to be, we're going to look for peyote in the desert. We're going to go to- Who? Who went? Uh, I, I, we just read those Carlos Castadina books. You right. Know? But you were with a friend? I, w- I was with my cousin and, yeah. and, a, and a guy from high school and a girl who I ended up teaming up with. And uh, we, we went out, we drove out from Michigan to California. We yeah. found, found an Indian at a, found at a gas peyote. station. Yeah, we found peyote, and we also found poppers, which mm-hmm. I've never tried before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, amyl nitrate, and we. So uh, the Indian had peyote and poppers. He yeah, was a, a well no, versed no, Indian. No, the Indian had peyote, and another Indian uh, uh, had the poppers. <laughs> the but disco Indian all, had it the was, poppers. It was an all Indian deal, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we knew to look for Indians. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the poppers are sort of outside the box. I think. Yeah, poppers. Yeah, I don't know why he had poppers. Yeah. We, I'd never seen them before. I, I, Real ones. Real aim, yeah, the ones that were like in the, the little, little white break, yeah, 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 break yeah. them open, yeah, and uh, and so learning the self discovery uh trip that we had made us discover that we we all fucking hated each other, and <laughs> by the time we got to California, they had dropped me off on the side of the road with this girl, and they t- took off back home. They wanted to go home, and I didn't want to go home. My whole thing, my whole thing was I was going to build a treehouse. This is how stupid I was and naive. I thought I could build a treehouse in Malibu or California up in the woods right. and live in the treehouse rent-free. That was my whole plan. So no plan to be an entertainer? No, no. I just, just wanted to live in a treehouse, and I didn't have plans to do anything. You know, I yeah. just wanted to build a treehouse like yeah. the Swiss Family Robinson. Sure. I figured that'd be the cheapest you way You and to this go. girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, that never happened. No. <laughs> no. no but I don't think anyone's really built a treehouse and lived in it that was over 17. Yeah. And uh, so we just hitchhiked around, uh, and we ended up in San Francisco. And we, I, we we were so broke that I needed money, and I started doing street performing. What on was the that in the seventies? Seventy seven, seventy eight. I was a street performer. So who was on the street? Whitney Brown Whitney, was a Whitney Brown was on the street, and uh, Harry Anderson. Uh, he's the first one I saw that really blew my mind out there. Harry Anderson. Um, I set my stuff up and was doing my show, and I went to grab a bite, and I came back, and Harry had packed all my stuff up and was in my spot. Harry Anderson was yeah. a street performer in San Francisco. Yeah. And A. Yeah. Whitney Brown, because no one knows Whitney is that. No, no. A. Whitney Brown had a dog act. Yeah. He had a, a, a great dog act, a comedy dog act. He inherited this dog from his partner who shot himself in the head. A, he was with A. Whitney, and he was gay, and he really liked Whitney, and Whitney wasn't gay. But, right. And it frustrated this guy so much that he shot himself in the head oh my in front God. of Whitney. Really? Yeah. And so Whitney got this guy's dog, and this dog was trained to do everything, man. It could do everything. His name was Brownie Breezebottom. That's what he called him. A. Whitney Brown and his dog of renown. That's That was the name of the show. And this was where, like, in this was in, down on the wharf? Yeah. He was working in the cannery, uh-huh. uh, inside the cannery, on the little outdoor stage. And uh, 
it was a great act. It was, a, you know, he would, the dog would jump up and r- take the hat off his head and, and, and go to, through the audience getting money. And, oh, and, really? Yeah. And every time they, he would tell a dog joke, the dog would run into the doghouse and slam the door closed like he was mad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was great. And it was, was he sort of a hippie kind of dude? Like long hey, hair? Kind of, yeah. He, he, what, he didn't have long, long hair, but he was a hippie because he ate all natural foods and he was, yeah. he was. And he, Harry Anderson, what was he like? Harry was a hustler. Harry d- was d- doing uh, a three card money on the street sidewalk shuffle and, and stuff like that and he was great though he got and the crowd he got close up magic yeah and he got like doing close up magic he would get like 200 people standing on the street you know, as opposed to me like you know 40 or 50 people but tops. what was your act then if you didn't know magic uh i did know magic but i wasn't good at it you know i had i was so that was the joke yeah he i watching all these other acts they were all doing comedy they were all putting comedy in their shows so right I put comedy in my show. A Whitney took me under his wing and, sh- yeah. and showed me how to do, uh, how to write a joke. How oh, to, really? The formula. He gave me Robert Orban books. Do you remember those? Sure. Yeah. I think he's still alive, actually. Yeah, I think he is, too. Yeah, I think he was a speechwriter for the president. Right. He was a great joke writer. And right. he writes for radio stations. But uh, I remember I'd go into the library, and you couldn't check him out, but you could t- copy jokes from him. And right. I learned how the style of writing a joke from that. Right. Because the jokes were so old, you had to update them all, you know? That's how I learned. And I might, the street act made, made me really good, really fast, because that's what the streets do. Because you, you got to pull people in. Oh, yeah. If you're bad for a second, they'll, they, you'll lose their whole crowd will walk, think, or, or walk away. Where did Penn and Teller start? Because they were street <clears throat> performers too, they, right? Well, when I was street performing, they were on Off-Broadway in San Francisco uh, doing a show. There were three of them originally. Uh, uh, they were called Asparagus Valley Cultural Society. <laughs> That's what they were called. Yeah. It was Penn Teller and a guy called Weir Christmer, who was a musician. Mm-hmm. And they did basically what they're doing now with three people. But they they got one guy to leave. The Pete Best of... of, of right. Yeah. But he was a street performer. I remember talking to Penn. They started yeah, they did Renaissance well, Fairs and stuff. That's well, he was... I think, wasn't he solo for a while, this Penn? And then... Yeah. And yeah, they... He, Penn did, was a juggler. Oh, right. And he did Renaissance Festivals. And, and, and they worked a lot of San Francisco street fairs and stuff. But... Uh, they were had a pretty good run in off Broadway show, uh, yeah. And I used to go watch them when I was just nineteen or twenty. I used to watch them. So when was the first you know sort of spectacle? When when what did you when did you start to develop the style of uh, kind of over the top um, insanity? Somebody, somebody once gave me a blood capsule. I used to do the razor blade trick where I would swallow razor blades and swallow thread and bring them up all on a thread. Yeah. But uh, someone said, you know, try this doing that with a blood capsule and freak them out. Yeah, pretend like you cut yourself. So that's the first thing. The, re- the reaction from that when I when I started drooling the blood and, yeah. and, and uh, pretending like I cut myself, people would come around. It's like an accident. You can't take your eyes off it. Did you ever com- uh, admit to that it wasn't real blood? Oh, yeah. I think they knew it wasn't real blood because I, was, I, I would yeah. smirk on and right, laugh right. about it. So that was the first, that was the portal. Yeah. So every trick after that had blood in it. I mean, <laughs> even cut and restored rope, I would put somewhere there would be blood in it. So, yeah. I, I learned how to do shock shock yeah. stuff on the street by shock and there was a water drought i remember there being you couldn't use a lot of water because it was right. a huge drought and i would tell the crowd if they didn't stop i was going to pour i had all these buckets of water i'd pour them out and you know say that <laughs> if you don't stop i'm wasting all this water i'd grab a little kid and hold a knife to his throat i would do anything and 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 I learned on the street, and then Shields and Yarnell were were just leaving the streets at that time. The too. mimes, the mimes, yeah, right. They were in San Francisco. Yeah, wow. Yeah. This is this whole world of, of it comedy. Was, it was a whole generation of comedy out there, and who else was out there? Uh, Whale and Flowers and Madame came out a few times and did really. Their, yeah, I was just saying. 
I wrote a funny joke the other day. I was just saying this would be funny to get Waylon Flowers and Madame if he was still alive, and Willie Tyler and Lester, and book them in a show, a big country show. Yeah, and call it Waylon and Willie, right? <laughs> you get a thousand country people in there, and it's a gay guy and a black guy <laughs> doing with, with, doing pep, with puppets. I, I would love to watch uh, that show. That would be so funny. You just wrote that joke yeah, recently? Yeah, I just wrote that. <laughs> I did so how do you make the break from the street alright so I made the break from the street because I kept getting arrested my, when, when I started getting really good the crowds would get really big and they would go out into the, the street and I would try to get rein them in but I couldn't do it because it was like 200 people like and they Harry. bust you for that yeah they bust me for it because I was the one causing it so they get you for obstruction right and the businesses down the Fisherman's Wharf didn't really want street performers so they made sure the cops whenever they could bust us would bust us so right. I was spending weekends in jail all the time and Whitney was coming to bail me out all the time and and uh <clears throat> it just got to be ridiculous and then now had the <clears throat> drug started uh yeah I, I, w- I was doing uh buying sugar cubes uh on the street of acid yeah union square there'd be a guy that sells sugar cubes the late 70s so it was <clears throat> a good acid 77 no but half the time it was fake and half the time it was real you never knew if so you- you'd be tripping in street performance no, I didn't really perform when I was high that back then. I, yeah. would, I, I would wait, you know, yeah. till uh, that nighttime and stuff, and yeah. and do it. Yeah, I always could perform. I never did a drug that would hamper my performance. Like, like I said, I like focus drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen guys in San Francisco do acid and go on stage, and I'm like, how the hell do you like Ray Booker and those guys? Like, yeah, yeah. How the fuck are you doing that? Man? So, did you do clubs in San Francisco? Yeah, that's what I did. I at, when the streets were over for me, when I decided I had to get off the streets, then I went in. I went to the Holy city zoo auditioned for tony DePaul and Cantu. yeah they gave me regular spots because i mean a street act doing that with that energy put on a little tiny stage they they never seen anything That's like a that tiny room yeah they had never seen an act like that now who was around then steve pearl uh, yeah steve pearl dana carvey uh, um, um ellen degeneres i was with um Bob Rubin. Bob Rubin. Bob uh, was my opening act in Vegas not too long ago, like two, three years ago. Was I, he all right? Yeah, Bob was great, man. I, I mean, I love, I love his act. Me too. He's trying. They, to they get... don't know how to take him, you know. Yeah. And I think that's funny to yeah. watch the audience not know how to take him. <laughs> the old Rube. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he's so tall, taller than the tallest. Yeah, yeah. He's just. I would love. I would love. The, the more he didn't go over, the more I laughed. You it's know? nice to be with somebody you like to watch. Yeah. Yeah. He's Rube's trying to come guys. back around. Is he? Yeah. He's well, been. he was sitting in that movie. I was watching Boondock Saints, yeah, and yeah. he had a huge party. He was yeah. a villain in that. Yeah, I think he he had he kind of had some rough times. He always does. He's yeah. always up and he's down. He's up and he's down. <laughs> That's mostly problem. down, mostly down, but <laughs> yeah. he'll never give up, man. So you're doing the zoo. Yeah, so I'm doing the zoo, and uh, and I remember Robin Williams came in and, and was showing everybody his Mork and Mindy contracts, and he was like making five grand a week. Wow. We, yeah. we were all pouring over right. that, you know, and he would come in and do sets all, almost every night, you know. Uh, and then Cobb's Pub was around, and then there's a lot of rooms back then outside of San Francisco that I would do the Country Store Tavern. Yeah, remember that Country Store? I don't tavern? know. I was after that was before. It my was time. Rooster Tea Feathers. Roosters, turned, yeah. yeah, that's what it turned into. Rooster and, yeah, that, that's still around. Yeah, that's a good room. It is a great room. The energy in those rooms were fantastic. It's a nice and, setup. It's a nice yeah. setup. So I did that for for years and years. I, I played uh, San Francisco and developed the, my show, and then did the comedy competition and, and stuff for like John that. Fox. Yeah, you. Did? Yeah, John Fox is the guy that got me my first big break. Really? Yeah, he he took three comics to from San Francisco to the Improv in L.A. They were doing a showcase industry night. 
None of us had ever played in L.A. before. Who were and the comics? It was me. It was um, Will Durst. Yeah. And it was, uh, God, was it Billy Jay? Probably. Maybe. What uh, happened to that guy? I don't know. I don't I, either. I saw him in New York for years, and then I just don't know what happened to him. Yeah, so the three of us showcased at the Improv, and uh, I did a killer set that night. And after I got off stage, all these producers came up, and I got three three TV shows in one night. That's what started. I got. What, what were you closing? I with? got. I got thick. Uh, I was closing with putting a bucket on my head, taking the bucket off, and my head was shaped like a bucket. After that, yeah, it was a cartoon effect. <laughs> How'd you do that? I had a bucket inside of a bucket, <laughs> like a, you know, it didn't really. It was the stupidest thing. I, I was my clothes. Do I look pale? Oh, yeah. So, um, so John Fox. That's it. It's nice to hear a nice story about John Fox. Yeah, I, I owe him that. And 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 then after that, I got the, uh, thick of the night. Remember that show? Mm -hmm. It was the, the, one, the show that was going to replace Thick. Carson. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I got Thick of the Night. I got HBO's Young Comedian Special. Which one? Uh, the one, eighth, the eighth annual. Who was John, on with John you? Candy. Uh, I was on with uh, um, Steve Sweeney, um, uh, the guy that does Mystery Science, Joe Hodgson, yeah. Paula Poundstone, myself. Um, uh, and Poundstone was San Francisco at that time, wasn't she? Or no? Yeah, she, she yeah. was. Paula, Paula was. She had uh, left Boston already. Yeah, yeah, she was with us. So it was uh, you and Paula and Joel and, and Steve uh, Sweeney. Steve Sweeney and Carol Siskind. Oh, really? I, I, I can't think of who else. I think there's one, maybe one or two. But I, Kenny Rogerson was supposed uh, to be on it, but he got too drunk before the show, uh, and they didn't use his set. Uh, and you can see him in the background during the during. If you watch that special, you'll see him back there by himself at a table, looking down like. Oh, I know, I so blew it. Sad, man. I know, and he's he was so, so good. Yeah, can you, so all the Boston funny. comics. Are, they he's still were, funny, man. Yeah, they they were they were all fucking drunks, and uh, yeah, Boston was probably contributed a lot to my to my my use. Yeah, oh yeah. There was a guy there that he was a, he was in the mafia. He was a he was a hitman. Everybody knew, him, and he was the guy that used to deal the coke in Boston to everybody. And he said he'd sold church bells, but we we all know what he really did. Where, down at Nick's? Yeah, down at Nick's, yeah. exactly right. He was good, man. When I got... When I, it's, <laughs> it's with the warm, the nostalgic warm memories. Yeah, well, I mean, he two times he offered to, to lend his services to me, mm -hmm. and two times I was tempted to do it. Too. Oh. Yeah, I was going to... It's use, scary how easy well, that is. Well, somebody stole $300,000 from me. That's a lot of money. Yeah, so he said, you want me to take care of him? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do, but... Yeah. It's gonna come back and get me. It's gonna come back and haunt me. It will haunt you. So I told him no. I said, "Well, he was just gonna work him over. Or he was gonna do him uh, in." No, he was just gonna do him in. Oh. But I, but I I kind of thought maybe just doing him over, I wouldn't get in so much trouble. Right. But uh, I didn't do it. I did just, you get the money back? No, I never. How did. the fuck did he steal? No, it times? was it, my agency did it. Remember? Do you remember Spotlight? Yeah. That they had every every comic. Yeah, I they remember. They went bankrupt and everybody right. lost all their money, and they had collected deposits from all these clubs. And put them in, in, in instead of escrow. They put them to the, the general funds to try to keep the company alive. Right. So when they did finally close, there was no we money. had to go out there and do all the dates that we had to honor all the dates that we they took the money for. Right. Uh, I'm and talking like get Jay in. Leno and and, and right. Lenny they had Clark everybody. Yeah. And they had everybody. So we all got pimped. I'm, I got I lost three hundred thousand because I had a game show at the time. Merv Griffin. Uh, wrote me a game show and I was doing the game so show. So now, wait, so you're, did you move down to LA then? Yeah, I did. I went from San Francisco, then I moved down to LA and... Uh, now when uh, does the cocaine you start picking up? I never, during that part, it never stopped. And he loved it. I always it. had a good time with it. I yeah. never had bad experience with it, you know. I never? Well, what, what do you consider? I mean, the next morning, and the lights We're are coming just thinking up and the birds are die. saying, no, only never thought I was going to die, but here I am. Dying. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> no. 
That's funny, isn't it? I laugh at it, man. I'm like, oh, of course I'm dying. I thought I'd be dying. I'm always thinking I'm dying, you know, the way I lived. You know, But it never happened. Never so you, happened. I mean, so you, it happened this time. I mean, the doctors told me six years ago I was, was going to, you know, but... In, from this right yeah, but you're still but kicking I'm still kicking yeah so. now what is this um, like they, I, I was told that there was a, a period where you went to Alaska yeah yeah that's, but that was before you went to LA yeah Michael Davis the juggler yeah he said that the Alaska date was was an amazing gig to play because that taught me how to do cocaine proper oh you know? really yeah like I what mean, do you mean these guys would come off the pipeline with so much cash in their pockets not knowing what to do with it and, yeah and it, and then spend it on all the strippers, and that's where I worked. I was an MC at a strip club. Yeah. So this is before you made the break. Yeah, this is before I had my break. But but they, how long would you go up there for? They wanted me up there for because I, I uh, but probably three four weeks at a time. And right. Maybe t- t- once in the summer, once in the winter. So I get yeah. all dark at one time and all light one time. Yeah. But I lived in a trailer in the parking lot of the strip club. Right. So the strippers, when they were done, in between sets, would come to the trailer and do coke and fuck me. So right. that's how I learned how to fuck, right? Yeah. Stripper will tell you if you're fucking wrong. Yeah. She, they don't have no patience for that. that fucking, here it is, motherfucker. So you learned how to fuck. There. Yeah, yeah. learn how to fuck. And, and, and I learned how not to be picky yeah. at that time. Right. Because <laughs> they were strippers. And yeah. some of them were, you know, weren't, were really beautiful. But because they worked in Alaska, sure. they didn't get the best strip, strippers. But where, where would you, but it was just for these pipeline guys, for these riggers, oh, huh? Oh, yeah. They would, they would milk these guys. They would come down off the pipeline and they, 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 would, they would take every penny they had. And, 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 uh, and you were doing magic? Yeah, well, the, yeah, I was just trying to do magic. My intro would be something like, "You want to see some titties? Yeah, yeah. but first, here's a magician." <laughs> and and they hated me. Maybe they would literally had guns pulling. You could wear guns on sidearms in Alaska. I had a gun pulled on me. I I got beat up. And but I I, I wrote to a Whitney Brown. I said, "I'm dying up here, man. I need to send me every book on heckler lines. Every heckler line book you can send me, give it to me." And he sent me all these books. And I copied them on my paper. And I would just read them. <laughs> I didn't bother to hide the paper. People memorize them. It was too fast and furious, yeah. and I would just like boom, boom, and I got really good. I, I committed to my head. Still to this day, I can do a hundred heckler lines right off the top of my right. head, and I got good at it. And then, then I got, I became actually witty. I yeah. mean, that, that's you got when, your timing. That's when the t- timing, but more importantly, the lightning fast responses right. to anything that somebody could yell. Right, and that was the best. I think that was the best experience uh, for my show is doing that that strip club the streets were rough the strip clubs were rough and by the time i was done with that i had a polished show that worked anywhere and you could do cocaine professional yeah and i could do cocaine i used to do it on stage mark i would say it's time for some coke and i would pretend like i was snorting coke off my table but i wasn't pretending i was doing it but you did that for years yeah the cocaine oh i would just snort that big huge right jug of it yeah that was fake but yeah but but i would literally literally snort lines off the table and everyone thought i was fucking around every but a guy on stage knew i wasn't because he saw it going up this straw but nobody else did oh my yeah God. man i feel I, I would write i used to write bits to keep me off stage so like when i started smoking it i did get off stage and i would go i wrote a bit that i had an audience member up there was following directions taped instructions on how to do a trick <laughs> and i was in the back hitting the Free pipe yeah fuck it. I was like, oh my god i was a loser i was a loser but i, I never i never missed a gig i never missed a gig by, by oversleeping i never did a gig that uh wasn't worth what they were paying me to do i mean i mean money wise so i mean i was i kept it together what you was know? the merv griffin show well merv merv saw me do uh uh, some of the late night TV show, right? Um, but 
he hired me to do um, in Atlantic City. He owned Resorts International, a casino, and I, I did a show for him there. Yeah, a live show. Yeah, uh, I replaced uh, Rip. Uh, what was his name? Rip. Uh, Rip Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, I replaced Rip Taylor. <laughs> you replaced. Rip yeah, it was Taylor. called Red Hot and Rowdy. The show. <laughs> yeah. So I was the headliner in that, and I and I brought in a lot of business at that time. I was starting to get a good draw, so I brought in a lot of business. And he called me up after it was over and said. Ooh, I got a great idea. He says, you want to do a game show? You want to host a game show? And I went, well, I'm not really the game show type, you yeah. know. And he went, well, this one, you're the, because you're the, you're, I based it off your shows. Right. So we want to do it. We, the game is going to be different every time. Every day, There's the game will be different. We will never play the same game twice. Right. That was the whole thing. So I said, yeah. And we went and we we worked on it. We wrote it. Murder and some writers I hired. Uh, the guys I hired to write, one of them now is the uh, president or vice president of ABC. Which guy? Mike Mike Davies. Oh, really? Yeah, his brother uh, wrote uh, Lethal Weapon, and he was just a guy that used to pick my audience contestants. Now he's like big, big, big guy. Yeah, he's the wild? guy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these guys that go on to become really huge, I've never asked them for favors, and they've never offered them. <laughs> yeah, but you, you did know? all right. I did all right myself. Yeah, I never really wanted to be an actor. Did yeah. you? Uh, maybe a little. You did? Well, I'm doing a show now. Yeah. I mean, I, can I think you I'm, act? I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I I can be present. Like, yeah. I, I, like I did a season, like first season of my show. I did okay. This season, I'm a little better. Just like listening. I do all right. How are you at memorizing the lines? I'm good at that. Really? Yeah. Have you always been good at memorizing Yeah, stuff? I seem to be able to do it. That's what scares me the most. It's not yeah. the fact that uh, the acting is the memorizing the lines. Yeah. Well, how yeah. did how did the game show go? Did you, did well, you have a good thing. run? Yeah. It, it, well, we did, we did the pilot. And it was really, really cool. And uh, NBC loved it, and they picked it yeah. up. And we shot 65 episodes of it. We, we did- Wow. Yeah, we did 65. And that's- So was that your big payday, the first big payday? Well, it was going to be. If that's the 300,000 that got ripped off, that was like maybe a quarter of the check. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I, I yeah, they t stole all of that money. And, but um, yeah, we did 65 episodes, and I made I made some money off of that one. And, and, and then I, I quit the show, because Merv, I did two episodes they never aired and they didn't pay me for them and my contract said even though if they air or not I still get paid for them well they didn't want to pay me for them and I, I walked off the show and uh, and then when NBC found that out they dropped the show and Merv lost the, lost the show so there's no love between you and Merv well yeah we made up I mean I saw him at, at the, Rodney used to live at the Beverly Hilton he used to come down all the time with his bathrobe on you yeah. know he lived there at yeah. the hotel and uh, I saw him at the pool, and then I went over to have lunch. And <clears throat> you were friends with Rodney? No, I just saw him there. I knew he lived there, and I saw him at the pool, and I talked to him for a little bit. I never met him before, so I introduced myself. And and then I went to have lunch, and Merv was there having lunch with with some of the bigwigs. So I took all the silverware from all the tables secretly and put it up my sleeves, and I had it all ready to go. And yeah. this big gag, and I yeah. said, "Merv, no hard feelings. Uh, I want you to know I'm doing fine right now." And all the silverware just dropped. I made it the loudest <laughs> noise in the world in the middle of this restaurant, and he died laughing. I thank God he died laughing, and that kind of was all right after that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was great working with Merv because he was there every single day, man. He would tell the best stories, man, because he had that show for so long. I He's know, met yeah. everybody, yeah, the Beatles, yeah. and I would listen every morning. I go down there. I couldn't wait to go to work, you know, and get up and. and if, tape another game show you know and listen to Merv talk yeah the and game. you're doing the blow then too 
No, I stopped doing the blow then. I, I, I didn't do. I had to be real focused for that one because there was so much to do on, on memorizing the rules. Since right, the games right, were yeah, very different every day, right. the games I had new rules every day. Couldn't be out of your mind. And I, I, I we only gave away cash, which was Merv's brainchild because it was ahead of his casino and. Anyone who won the cash would have to walk through the casino to get to their car and basically put it back right in Merv's pocket. So we only gave cash away, and we played the, the coolest games. We came Whatever we came up with, Merv would build it for us. I mean, we came up with some wild shit. We were the first ones to do the Velcro wall, you know? Right. And uh, uh, we, had some, we got in trouble with the gaming commission because we kind of cheated on a lot of the things. Um, we would cheat on the games. It would be rigged. We didn't know you weren't allowed to rig the games if, right. if there was money involved in stuff. Uh, so I, I would be like a block stacking contest with somebody under the table pushing a rod up through through yeah, my blocks. Yeah, you right. Mine would always be one higher than theirs, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and they couldn't figure it out. And then, <laughs> So we, we got a lot of letters of complaint, and we would answer them by taping a quarter to the paper and say, here's a quarter, Go call someone who gives a fuck. And send yeah. the, Murph found out we were sending out these letters and he just blew a stack and then we got we to get legit. We, we got to get legit, yeah, yeah. So it was a fun show. It was fun. But uh, after that, uh, after after the uh, money being stolen from me and quitting the show, that was the downward spiral. That started the drug use again. And then so, we were just doing <clears> clubs <throat> and stuff? Yeah, I was doing clubs and, and but I was doing... Uh, it wasn't pretty healthy. I wasn't healthy. It was a bad state of mind. I've been two times. I've been in a bad state of mind. That and when I got divorced. Yeah. Both times I I I, I never ever think about suicide ever. But I was just kind of contemplating. Like when I got divorced, I was sitting there with a gun in my mouth. Not it wasn't loaded, but I just wanted to feel the yeah. drama. Sure. I wanted it to. Not divorce it, is horrible. It was it was and, really and, bad because mine mine was really bad because she just didn't tell me why. She just said, "I'm going back to Australia. I'm leaving. You. I'm leaving you." She wouldn't tell me why, really. And I thought we had a good marriage. And, and But were you out of control? <clears throat> no, I was not out of control. I'm never out of control. I'm not, uh, even though I've done dr drugs, don't make me out of control. Yeah. I've always been there f paying my bills and always been doing my shows. And So after you lost the 300000 what happened? What, did you just go back to the road? And yeah, I was kind of like... Uh, now you worked with a lot of people. I mean, everyone knew you. You were a respected guy. You worked with Seinfeld. And, yeah, you know, yeah. It was, yeah, I did. Uh, I was with Jerry when his dad died. We did a show that night. Oh, really? It was for the president of the really? United States. Yeah. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, we got a call. I got a call from the Secret Service. when I was in the hotel room in Atlanta. And I got a call, and uh, I was like, this is a secret service. Do you want to do a show for the president? And I just hung up, you know, thinking it was like, you know, my <laughs> friends, because they do that shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my agent calls back and says, what, well, what the fuck are you doing? That was really the secret service. So they did a background check and found out I didn't have any arrests, and my background was clean. And so they told me, if you want to do the show, be at the corner of 58th and Broadway, at like 7.30 in the morning and we'll pick you up and a black van will pull up. We can't tell you where where, where you're going or where the location is. Real hush-hush. So I went and they, I paid for everything. They didn't pay for anything. So when I got there, there was Seinfeld and uh, uh, Yakov Smirnoff. Re what were they doing in Atlanta? Uh, no, I got the call in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Was, we had to go to New York. Oh, okay. And the, the, we got in this van. And the three they, of you. Yeah, and they took us under this tunnel under the Hudson Bay, uh, the Hudson Bay, uh, Governor's Island, yeah, which is like a military base, right? And that's where the president was going to do be. And they flew him in in a helicopter, and we all we did a show for him. He was way far back in a reviewing stand. They kept us away from him. Was there a crowd? 
Yeah, there was a crowd, and there was kids, and then there was a big lawn, and then there was the president. Did you meet him? It was the president of France was there, too, President Mitterrand. Did you meet him? No, they kept us away from him. They kept me away from him. Maybe you sang What year was that? So that was- This was in 87. It was a bicentennial year for the Statue of Liberty's fireworks show. Okay, okay. Yeah, so so I I decided, well, this is the first time I ever did ecstasy, right? Yeah. I'm going to do a hit of ecstasy. Before. And do a show for for the president. Well, that's only natural, right? Yeah. And so- I started getting off on it and never done it before. And the Secret Service just was beating down on me, man. I, I, you felt it. I felt their eyes on me every second. I felt them fucking staring at me, and Not I'm a getting good trip, really huh? paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> and then my road manager shoot tests my blank gun off like an idiot. He yeah. shoots off my gun backstage. Uh, yeah. they freak out? Oh, they they materialized like out of Star Trek, man. They just came out of nowhere and tackled his ass to the ground. Really? Yeah. They knew it was fake. They wanted to prove a point. Right. So he's like 400 pound guy. You know, they, they had him down like hog tied him. So you're out of your mind on ecstasy <laughs> yeah, performing watching, for Reagan. Watching my road manager get, get, get beefed down to the ground. Oh, I got to clear something up. Now, the one rumor that there was always around was that you got banned from Letterman because yeah, you flipped somebody I off. I did. Yeah, I got banned from Letterman because I made a bet with a DJ named Kevin Matthews who worked in Chicago. And I bet him that I wouldn't flip flip him off sometime during the show. It was like a $100 bet. And that, yeah. and that cost me- It was your first Letterman. First Letterman. Uh, I He called me over to sit down and I scratched my nose with my middle finger right. thinking that that's, that's the winning bet. Yeah. And it wouldn't look obvious, but I mean- it, it looked really bad. I watch it now today, and I see it, and I go. And it was Robert Morton who who was producing the show then, and he thought I did it to him, right? Because he had cut my time back down by a whole minute, and I was mad, but and, and I, he thought I was flipping him off. Right? And so he told me, "You'll never be on the show ever again." Did he say I knew what you were doing? Yeah, yeah, he knew exactly what I was doing, and, he, he th- and I couldn't convince him that I wasn't doing it to him, you know. You tried so, to tell him that it was yeah, a bet. Yeah, I said it was a bet. Yeah, I, and it was, and and so I never he I didn't do the show. The, then he got fired. Uh, maybe fifteen years later, he got fired, and Letterman saw my Comedy Central special. Yeah, and uh, personally called. He, he himself called to have me on the show. Yeah, and I said, I wonder if he remembers that I had done a show before. Yeah. Now, if you watch me come out on the second time I did Letterman, he's you see me laugh my head off when I'm walking out after the intro. It's because he stood up behind his desk and, and did did this to me, like flipped me off, and I started laughing. Though it's all he does remember this, right? So listen to this. I did the, probably the best set I've ever done and, yeah. on Letterman. It kicked ass. Yeah, and I was in my dressing room, like getting undressed, and I was so happy. The producers came back there and said to me, uh, "We can't air that. What you what that set you just did?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I just I killed it." And I said, "Well." I stabbed a girl in the head. My assistant was a girl, and I, I stabbed her in the head with a pair of scissors, and it looks really extremely real. And uh, he took offense to that. They, and, and Who first, did? Well, the, the guy said, Dave wants to see you up in his office. Yeah. He'll explain why. Yeah. So, uh, and he says, I don't know why, but nobody goes up to his office. He doesn't want anybody up in his office. So I got to go up to Dave's office, uh, and he said, I, I want to explain something to you. I have a real strong position against violence towards women. And I went, well, Dave... That's it's slapstick is yeah. what it is. So what you're doing basically is you're you're, you're because it's a woman. It's right. If it was but it's a, also the classic sort of uh, the assistant, the magician's assistant. Yeah, guy. and it was a, it was a slapstick gig. But mm-hmm. he, he but then he said, but but the way he started it, he says nobody's a bigger fan of yours than my, than I am. And after he said that, he could have said anything. It didn't matter. Right. Because uh, after he, I heard that, I'm like, well, that's all I could think. And about. they pulled it. They, they no. They said we're going to hold the same audience 
for 15 minutes. If you can come up with another set and get out there, and we'll tape another set. I don't, I, I don't have my props. I'm a prop comic. I don't yeah. have 15. I don't have another five minutes. So, so I went out and did the same material, except for I, I took the bit with the stabbing out and put something else in there. So the audience was watching the same set, laughing, trying to make it sound. Right. It was nowhere near as good. Did as they the, run that? Yeah, they ran that. Uh. And and you can see the discrepancy is because uh, uh, the audience just, they're kind of stunned by me coming back out again and watching me do the show, show yeah. again. And, and they didn't explain it. Yeah, and so the, every time I do Letterman, it's, it's surrealistic like that. And then, then I did a show at Foxwoods Casino, mm-hmm. and uh, we were sold out, and they, he snuck in th- to see my show. Really? Yeah, and they told me he was there, but he didn't come up to me and say anything. Oh, that's so I called his office the next day, and, and I said, were you at my show last night? And he went, yeah, 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 I was there. I just He loves you. Yeah, he does like the show a lot. Yeah, he's a big fan, so that's good, because not, not a lot of people like prop com- it's, it's amazing. Who called you that you're most impressed with that found out that, that, that you like, they loved your show? Who was, who was the biggest celebrity oh. that called you out of the blue? That said, you know what? I really love what you're doing. Well, Robin's been a pretty good fan of mine. Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he, did he see you live and come yeah, up yeah. to you? Yeah, Well, he's seen me live, and he's uh, he's left messages before. Yeah, like, oh, like, it's weird. It's nice when somebody calls you like that. I got a call from Carlin, and then you don't know I, if you're supposed to call back. I never know. Like I'm like, what if what? they leave their number and say call back, yeah. I, I would never call back. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I never would. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm bashful. Like Carlin that. called you. Yeah, when I when I was in Vegas, when I started my run in Vegas. Um, I was just supposed to do two weeks for Brenner to fill in while he was on vacation at the Golden Nugget, and two weeks turned into thirteen years. That's where. Uh, so you had like you were you had tenure there. You just I, had, I did. I was there for thirteen years. I just last January I, I, is when I quit doing. And that's it. big. Like so, you're all set. Oh yeah. After that, I mean, that was like three to four million a year, man. That was wow. that was big money, big money because I was filling up up the, up the rooms, and. Uh, uh, was that Carlin your- called me and left a 20 minute message he must have been tweaking or something yeah, yeah. but he examined my whole show he took the whole show apart and said why it's funny and why he thought this was great and he was dissecting it all in his head as he was talking on the phone and it just it wasn't rambling it actually if you listen to it it made sense but I mean it, it was to he the just, layman he really, was, he really took it in oh he loved it he said oh I just love you man I just love your stuff and after that there was nothing that anybody, no review, nothing that anyone could say that would, would falter my confidence in my show. Because, right. Because after Carlin says that, who who do you have to fucking prove it? It's, yeah, it's like being uh, knighted. It is like being knighted. Yeah, <laughs> man. Because, God damn, I'm sure he didn't do that. He did that once when I was sitting with Lenny Clark. He, he called Lenny Clark and did that to him when I was in the room once. And, I, and t- 10 years later, it happened to me. So That's sweet, man. Yeah. Vegas was Vegas is good in, in the fact that people come out and see you. You know, uh, a lot of stars go to Vegas and they'll come out and see you. you know, like, right, yeah, yeah. In the audience, they'll say, like, Kevin Spacey's in the audience. Really? It's really fun, yeah. That was cool. I like playing Vegas for that reason, yeah. And you live there. I'm so starstruck, you, too. I'm like, you. Yeah, I like, I like yeah. to see stars. Oh, know? yeah, me too. Like, yeah. yeah. But you lived there, so you set up shop there, and that was the big payout. I lived at the Gold Nugget for two years. I lived inside the casino. They gave me they gave me the, the suite, you know, the Frank Sinatra suite, and and they feed you and whatever oh, you want. Oh, you got signing privileges when you're doing business in yeah. Vegas. No, you don't pay for anything. You sign you sign your name on. So that was like that. You won. I did win. I did win. The first two years I was there at the Gold Nugget, I made more money than probably I ever saved in my whole the whole career. You know. And what'd you do with it? Uh, I put it in the bank because I, I've always been taught to save money. So I lived on my merchandise money, my T-shirt money, and, mm-hmm. and put my paycheck in and what, the bank. And what about the blow? 
Uh, wasn't doing blow back then. No. You think that coincides with whenever I was making the most money? Or <laughs> like just, the game I, like, show, you, I wasn't you, doing you just had, you had this I, reputation. I, I just yeah, no, the reputation. I don't think that really bugged anybody because of there wasn't any bad shows or didn't no, no. Show but I just was or, wondering, like, if that was true, like you were, like, how much you were when doing. I, when I, no, I wasn't doing any any blow when I was doing the nugget. I was clean. I, I've been. I go through bouts of of clean. You know, I yeah. go for two, three years without yeah. doing it, and then start up. Right. Again. And then, yeah, it hasn't been the entire time. Right. And then I put all drugs away and was just. I didn't do a lot of different ones. I was just doing coke for a while, and yeah. then, then I switched to speed for a while, and but. Um, never affected me except for now I'm, I'm dying of a heart condition so but when you were in vegas for 13 years what'd you end up like how how extravagant did things get you bought a house in vegas oh yeah i bought i bought a, a beautiful house i bought a mansion man i just like a castle and, yeah and, and and i got 27 cars yeah what I kind of cars uh, muscle cars uh, mostly muscle cars. american muscle cars yeah nothing yeah. foreign no, yeah. no foreign cars all, yeah uh, all some of them are back from the 30s a pierce arrow 32 pierce arrow beautiful car What's your favorite uh, one to drive? Um, I, it depends on what, what kind of mood I'm in and how fast I got to be there. Like yeah. I, I like driving to work. That's what I liked about Vegas. Is my show was at ten and I would leave the house at quarter to ten. Right. You know, people would think <laughs> I'm backstage getting ready, but I'm yeah. I'm still at home. You know, finishing <laughs> dinner. Yeah. And I I I could make it to the strip and in my in a Corvette at sixty one Corvette. Yeah. I could I could pull that in ten minutes, man. I could be there. Yeah. Yeah. And all the cops knew me, so I, if I did get pulled over. Uh, I didn't get searched. I didn't because they knew you. Yeah, they knew who I was, and so uh, living in Vegas is it's a really small community. It's, you know, it's we're not, your buddies. All the actually, Care Top. I would hang out with him and Chris Angel. Uh, um, they were all my friends. We all have a group that we hang out with. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's it was what about really the fun. old guard. Are the there old, any left? Wayne Newton or anybody? I never hung out with Wayne Newton. No, <laughs> no I'm trying to think of the old guard. No, I didn't hang out with any of the old ones. They're they're Slayton, Bobby Slayton. Yeah. yeah, he was there for a year or two. Yeah, yeah, he tried. He tried. A lot of comics came and tried to get their act permanently there, but it's not. I don't know what it is. It's not easy to do. It's not easy. First of all, the marketing. I'm spending thirty grand uh, a month on advertising. Right. Just on ads, you know, billboards. You personally? Yeah, yeah. My deals have always been four wall, uh, four wall deals. You know, you. I take whatever comes in. All you know? in, yeah. So since I I had to draw and I was filling the rooms, I like that deal the best because all the money goes to me. You know. So you would market however you wanted to. Uh, no, they they'll tell you how to market. <laughs> they want control <laughs> over you. They totally yeah. want control over you. Right. That's the problem with the casinos. I had a real rough time uh, <clears throat> when I when I was leaving the Gold Nugget to go to the Flamingo. They were pissed off that I was leaving because I had really done a good job. I, I made their demographic younger, and, right. and, and they were happy, and, and I got a better offer. So I went, and they just slammed me. They gold nugget, bad-mouthed me, and said it was hard to work with, just tried to destroy me. And and other casinos listen to that shit. You know, They believe it. But the Flamingo took me, and I, I made more money at the Flamingo. What'd they say about you? Oh, they just said I was hard to work with and, and, and all this crap. And then... Then they had to eat crow because after I was done at the Nugget, they uh, Flamingo, they made me a big offer to come back there. Oh, really? They made me, uh, yeah. I got a th they offered me three million dollars to come back. Uh, I didn't have to pay for any advertising. Yeah, I didn't. It was a straight three million million in your pocket, and so that after saying I was hard to work with, they had to. I, I you know, if I'm so hard to work with, why are you making me this deal? But to come back, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was ready to go. I was ready to go back. And, and I got to sign the deal. And then the week before I was to open, they sold 
MGM Grand sold the Gold Nugget to uh, these two f- dickheads, uh, Tim and Tom. They own, they started uh, travel uh, Travelocity or something, mm-hmm. internet money, and they bought the Gold Nugget, and uh, my deal went, went away. Yeah, one way. They were supposed to honor the contract anyway. Yeah, but they, but they didn't. So, so what? What else did you do with your money? You bought cars. Um, you bought a mansion. I did. I did stupid I mean, the things. I like. I recreated. You got a plane? No, I recreated a, a drive-in movie theater I used to work at when I was a kid uh, in Michigan. I used to always work at drive-ins. You yeah. Know? And I, I had all these cars, and I said, what am, how am I going to store these cars? So I got this giant warehouse at the airport, and I, bu- I built a drive-in movie theater, an indoor one. But you would swear that you were outdoors, because I have a planetarium projector that projects stars up in the sky. And who goes to this thing? Oh, uh, well, I do, and my friends do, and I rent it out <laughs> once in a while. Copperfields use it, Pantera's used it a few times, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, people... I just I was going to rent it out to the public, but I, I decided I don't want people See? sitting in my car, so... But uh, yeah, it was—it's amazing. I—I I, I had murals painted on each warehouse wall of more cars, so it looks like you're sitting in a long row of cars. Now, like you hang out with Copperfield and Chris Angel. Yeah, yeah. Do they look at you as a magician? Um, not really. No. Do magicians no. play? Uh, if I play- fooled them, they get mad. If I—if I learn a trick and show Copperfield, I just showed him recently. He got mad because because it was me. He couldn't figure it out. Yeah, he couldn't figure it out. Really? Yeah. And, and, and no magician could figure it out. And, and you was, made the trick up? No, I didn't make the trick up. I was shown it. Someone showed it to me, and I showed it. Every magician I showed to, but professional, not, didn't have a clue how it was done. Really? Yeah, I'll show it to you afterwards. I, I can, it'll blow your mind. Okay. But uh, yeah, they, they look at me more of, uh, as a friend. See, I'm, I'm a neutral guy. Yeah. I'm not a threat to them. So right. that's why they, they'll all hang out with me. Because you're like they hate each other. different type of entertainer. Oh, they hate each other. Like, oh, so you can't hang out with Angel? No, no, no. You know, if Chris Angel hates Copperfield, vice versa. They have a big feud going on you know copperfield doesn't want to give up the crown the crown you know? right uh nor should he you know but and chris wants it and and so they're making up titles left and right the magician of the millennium and the magician of the century really yeah all these are these are like bought do you guys ever bust each other's balls you ever play tricks on each other uh me and chris yeah, I mean, Copperfield's got a good sense. They all have six sense of humor, and I'm a, a well. Copperfield's myth- boyhood friend was a comedian, right? Ted Bloomberg. Do you know? Was it? Alan Bursky was. Yeah, he, he made him cry. He, Bursky made David cry. He did. When David was little, he came into in the magic shop with a business card, and he stole this logo from Alan. Yeah. This rabbit that yeah. Alan had copyrighted right. and, and alan yelled at copperfield at the magic shop and made, made dave cry Aww. yeah dave uh, never never forget that one really yeah but yeah. do you guys do pranks on each other oh yeah i do elaborate pranks man i do i'm a practical joker like so what? i have a book out of practical talk, joking what's the best done, prank oh i've gotten people on some amazing shit man i've i've, I've sent people to, to do gigs that weren't even real <laughs> yeah i said <laughs> <laughs> I've done some really good stuff. That's horrible. Do oh, yeah. you pay them at least? Well, my whole house is rigged up, so they all like they they. <laughs> I build these things that, and put them in my house, and then they they come over and see them, and they want to have them. I have a I put this in Chris's Angel's bathroom. I put a shelf, and on the shelf's a cremation urn, and it says, "This is my lucky rap, my rabbit lucky, yeah. always in my heart." Yeah. You know, and and when people are in the bathroom, all they have to do is hit this remote control, and the shelf drops down, yeah. and the cremation urn falls on the ground, and all this ashes spill on the ground. People in the bathroom, they freak, man, because well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Chris is at the door going, "Is everything okay in there?" And they're 
<laughs> trying to clean this mess up and and some of them don't come out and some of them come out and not like what i don't know what you're talking about it's so funny just to put people in that spot man and i yeah. and i built stuff like that for them and the copperfields i built some wild shit, shit for him too man to put in his house yeah he's got a room with the ventriloquist dolls he's yeah. got ma- all the famous ones Whalen flowers he's got madame in there charlie mccarthy charlie mccarthy and he's got uh the cliff robertson one from from twilight zone and oh wow there's a whole room of them they're great and i i had rigged up uh so when people come near the room it activates the sound you can hear them talking, talking. And, and you hear them going, shh, 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 shh. they're coming they're coming and then you hear glass breaking and then when you come in the room there's a broken glass on the ground and no one moved <laughs> nothing's moving it's really eerie so uh, i like that kind of stuff i like scaring people a lot like man. haunted houses oh I, I built a haunted house in vegas that's another thing i did with my, my money on two, your property two years no two years ago um the plaza downtown yeah they gave me a hotel to, to trick out they said you can have two floors of this hotel to build a haunted house do whatever you want yeah and I said, are you serious? I can do it. And I had the use of the elevator. I built the state-of-the-art haunted house, man. And uh, two years ago, we opened it, and, and it was great. It was such a good haunted house. I mean, there wasn't those rules that you can't touch. Right. You got touched. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got your ankles grabbed. Yeah, so you just like designing this shit. Oh, yeah. I designed it. It took me, it took me a How year. Do you do, do you do all the machine work on this stuff, too? I build got... stuff. Yeah, I help build stuff. But I, I, I'm now I'm delegating most of it. I go in there. You and design it? I design it and oversee yeah. it being done. But I have most of it. Some of my house is tricked out. I mean, the... My house has been on TV a bunch of times on different shows, house shows. People come over, and uh, I've got a doll in a, in a glass case hanging on the wall, a display case. Yeah. And this girl's doll is in there, but I have it chained. The arms are chained in the case, and the, I put some blood on the dress. Yeah. And they're like, right away, they're drawn to that. Well, like, why do you have that? And I said, well, it's, it's from a famous movie, a director. Read the inscription on the foot, and when they get close to it, this doll comes alive and starts thrashing inside this case and the, the door opens and she's and it's just the horror on their face man i mean just to see this you doll, like shocking people yeah oh what do you, yeah. where do you think that came from I, I don't know ever since i was a kid my family was kind of like that if someone said i'm going to go take a bath you you run to the bathroom and hide behind the door before, you know just to yeah freak out. yeah yeah we were we like scaring each other you know yeah um and i always was building spook houses when i was a kid i never played sports you play sports no when you were a lot of comics i don't know they don't play sports yeah, i don't know i never did i'm not a sports guy i'm not a sports all. guy at all either so yeah. I, when they were all playing on the football on the street i was building haunted houses and i would get them to to come on and do that you know so have you now with this heart condition have you have you had any problems mm-hmm. i mean have you have you gone down have I gone down? What had a heart attack? Yeah, no, but I've fainted uh, three times. I've fainted in the last year um, because of the medicine. I'm they're thinning my blood right now, keeping it really thin so that my heart doesn't strain. Right. So when I stand up real fast, sometimes I I get dizzy and I I faint. Uh, it's happened to me three times and it's scary as hell. One time I woke up, I had a gas gas pump uh, handle in my hand and then all my money was blown down the street and I woke up and I'm like, what the fuck? I was pumping gas. I must have been pumping gas. Yeah. You don't remember what you're doing and it's really disorienting and you get mad. You get, yeah. and, then, and then I hit my head. I, I, once I passed out in my bedroom and it smacked my head and... Yeah, and but that's just from the medicine. I think that that's what's causing that. Well, you look good. I do. You know, I feel all right, except, except for like I said, if I try to do something, 
my legs lock up and my hands lock up, but 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 other than that, yeah, other than that, you feel all right. Yeah, I do feel all right. I feel fine, man. I feel fine, and I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't see me going out that way. Well, good. I see me going out maybe in an accident, leaving here. Okay, in the limo. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't want. Don't don't attach it to my show. I want to have attached to your show. <laughs> I should fake it right now. If I faked it, you you have <laughs> I, to believe my, me. I believe That's my biggest was. fear. Is people think I'm fucking around since, on stage? Since you I'm drop? a big practical joker, yeah. everybody always you know there's a hesitancy about helping me up well you just got to tell them you're sick that's what i do to the audience i tell them look i if i fall i'm not kidding around come get me because a lot of people died that way tommy cooper died that way dick sean dick sean died that way yeah i don't want to be i want i want to do it here in this studio no it's not gonna happen <laughs> well so this is it you're retiring i'm done man i'm done if you want to see the show now it's going to be uh reruns or you have to buy the tapes or i we gotta imagine. figure out what i'm going to do for money now you know i got enough to live on but i, I want I want money coming in. Why don't you design you know? some state-of-the-art haunted houses? I am. I'm gonna, no, I have a practical joke company. I think I'm, I'm going to start That's what, up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I hope, you've, I hope you, your health uh, holds uh, steady. I think it will. Well, thanks I, for I, talking to me, man. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's just as fun as I thought it'd be. It's great to see you. All right, man. Heavy shit, right? Amazing Jonathan. Hanging on. Hanging on and moving forward, but it literally could end at any minute. Any second. Oh, my God. That was heavy, man. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTFPod needs. Get that app, folks. If you're just getting on board, get the uh, free app, then upgrade to premium. You can stream all 500-plus episodes. Those fucking jackets, man. Seriously. Consumed. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!